Oh, Sunday again. How are you this morning, Ben? I'm doing pretty good. No yeah. complaints. I'm, I'm all right. Yep. Quiet weekend. I enjoyed, you know, time with the fam. My my man is not home, so it was just me and my daughter kind of hanging out, you know what I mean? But um, overall, I like the weekend because it is the downtime for us because yeah, we work a, hard. It's been a busy start <laughs> to uh, 2024, so I was definitely happy to have a very quiet weekend. Yep. At home, no yep. complaints. But, you know, it was busy during the week, as always. But this past week, particularly, there was a lot of different news topics coming forward. You uh, you broke a little bit of news about Fogo Island and yeah. Bethany Downer. You spoke with her. I, I found that so interesting, talking about the coming total solar eclipse. That's I love that topic. April 8th. And, uh, yeah. yeah, NASA space enthusiasts from all over the world coming to Fogo Island for the total solar eclipse april 8th so we uh yeah we'll hear from bethany downer on that uh, we're definitely going to be talking some hockey there was a hockey story a local hockey story that really took the whole hockey world both provincially nationally internationally yeah. by storm really all week uh, we're going to hear from 47 year old terry ryan who played his first pro game in some 20 years that was just unbelievable um but then you know of course our tech talk tuesday yep. city of st john's building safer communities it was a uh, a busy week covering a lot of topics. Gemma Hickey went back yes. to Rome. We're not giving it all away here in our little preamble, but we've got lots to bring you. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. Well, I've got it right here, but if you're a tea drinker, you're more than welcome to join us. Toast? Biscuits? <laughs> join us right here on the best of your VOCM mornings. Good Sunday morning and welcome to the best of your VOCM mornings. I'm Jerry Lynn Mackey. And I'm Ben Murphy. The City of St. John's introduced the Building Safer Communities Grant Program to bolster initiatives for preventing crime and violence. Mayor Danny Breen says they're committed to building a safer, more vibrant city for everyone. Mayor Danny Breen joined us on Monday morning. How will the Building Safer Communities grant program target and, I guess, assist community groups in their efforts to prevent crime and violence? Yeah, so this is a national program through Public Safety Canada and the uh, City of St. John's was awarded uh, $1.8 million over, over three years, so about $600,000 a year. Uh, in that $600,000 is uh, approximately 450000 for um for grants to community organizations, with the balance being for the uh, the, the management and the, the providing direction of the funds, so we've put together a steering committee from the uh, from the community, and we're now accepting applications for the first uh, year of grants, and um, and those applications are now open until uh, mid February, and, uh, and groups can check our website for uh, more details on how to apply. Mayor Breen, $1.83 million in funding for Public Safety Canada or from Public Safety Canada. Exactly how will the funds be used or is it too early to really say because the applications are coming in? Well, it's really too early. So we, what, we, uh, what we're looking for is, uh, is programs from the, uh, from the community groups who, um, who may have ideas or work that they, uh, that they want to complete. Um, addressing the underlying risks of crime and uh, and violence within the city, so it could be related to uh, uh, gender-based violence. Uh, it could be related to youth. Um, certainly, uh, big big topic around addictions and 
and just uh, anything that has to do with safety with, uh, within our community. So there's many community groups out there who are doing fantastic work and have other initiatives that they want to undertake. And, uh, and so they're certainly encouraged to, uh, to apply and, uh, and, um, and look for funding under this program. How long is the application process opened? It's open till around mid-February. I think it's February 11th. Uh, this is the first round. This is this year's, and then there'll be another round next year. So the projects, uh, I believe, have to have to be completed. Uh, we'll have them awarded, I believe, by March 31st, and they have to be completed by March 31st of next year. I'm speaking with St. John's Mayor Danny Breen about the Safer Building Safer Communities Grant Program. Mayor Breen, is crime and violence is that increasing in the city? Well, you know, we've been uh, we've been concerned about safety within the city. It's not only the actual safety in the statistics; it's people's perception of of being safe. That's in that's important. So we work very closely with the uh, uh, with the RNC and the provincial government. And uh, uh, some would remember some of the work that we did. We uh, had peddled up by the George Street Association last year. So. Yes, it's it's a concern. It's uh, you know we uh, one of our goals and strategic goals is to build a health and safety a health and safe community, and uh, we are continuing to uh, to work towards that. Uh, this project uh, put forward by the federal government is uh, is a great opportunity for engaging further community groups and allowing some funding uh, to to work towards that goal. Are there plans in place to keep the initiatives going beyond the initial three year funding period? Well, we're not sure about that. These programs tend to be renewed, or they tend to uh, move in a different direction uh, over over time. So, uh, right now, we're focused on the on the three years, and uh, depending, of course, on the success of the program and um, and the uh, the outcomes, I'm sure that the federal government will uh, will consider where we need to go next on these uh, on these different uh, initiatives. And in conclusion, what should people know about the application process? Well, the application process, there's a screening process in place. We have a steering committee put together that's uh, representatives from uh, the community and uh, staffing is provided by the by the city through funding under the under the program. So those uh, applications will be evaluated and uh, and then the money will be announced uh, somewhere towards the end of March, early in April. So uh, we encourage groups uh, in the community that uh, that have a role to play in this to, to consider uh, their options under this program. And that is Mayor Danny Breen joining us on Monday morning. Jerry Lynn. Well, last September, advocate for victims of clergy abuse, Gemma Hickey, made international news when they led a pilgrimage to the doors of the Vatican to demand that Pope Francis sign a proposed zero-tolerance law for clergy abuse. Just this past week, Hickey made the return to Rome to present a lecture on zero tolerance, safeguarding children and vulnerable adults at the Pontifical Gregorian University, and that was scheduled for the 18th of January. Well, before Gemma left for Rome, they stopped by our studios at your VOCM. Tell us how this opportunity came to be. Well, uh... A few of my colleagues and I had a chance to meet with one of the leading theologians in the world on this issue while uh, we were in Rome after the pilgrimage, Hans Zollner, and uh, he invited me back to present a lecture at the Pontifical Gregorian University, which is a huge honor. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I really feel that it's so important, particularly because Newfoundland and Labrador is ground zero when it comes to clergy sexual abuse. I've said this repeatedly. You know, it wasn't survivors in, in Boston, brave as they were, who broke this out into the mainstream. It was survivors from Newfoundland and Labrador, in particular Mount Cashel. So uh, it's, uh, it's a huge step forward. And getting scholarship behind our proposed zero tolerance law is uh, is a step closer to our goal. So I'm really excited about this opportunity, and uh, you know I'm hoping that it will set the tone for uh, for more conversations to come. So the lecture happens on the 18th. I mean, it's going to be a whirlwind trip. Tell me your main messages while you're in Rome. Well, basically, you know, it's still the case that a priest can rape a child or vulnerable adult and remain in his position. A bishop can cover up the crimes of his clerics and employees and remain in his position or even get promoted. There's no mandatory requirement for church personnel to report abuse to civil authorities. And survivors don't have access to church files with information pertaining to their abuse. So this, these are some of the key aspects of the zero tolerance policy. And the Pope has the ultimate authority over canon law. And so now once we have, uh, we get together and talk and meet with these theologians and bring in our canon law experts, I'm hoping that we have a conference as early as June. That's my goal. um, So that we can revise this policy and deliver it to Pope Francis so that he can make it a universal law of the church. And help protect people moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gemma, you've also written a letter to the archbishops of this province. What do you want them to know? Well, you know, I, I wrote uh, three of them. Um, the, the Archbishop of Grand Falls I, I wrote early in December after there was a, um, a case or a, another allegation against a, a priest from Avondale. I can't comment on the innocence or guilt of this man, but I did want to reach out to the bishop and ask him, you know, what safety measures are in place? Because he referenced, you know, providing safe environments to people um, in his diocese. And so I wanted him to further, um, you know, explain what safe environments and whether or not uh, survivors were involved in the process in developing safety protocols. I also reached out to um, the Archbishop of Cornerbrook um, recently, and he responded to me actually a very, very uh, positive response, and I'm going to meet with him in person when I return from Rome. Uh, I reached out to Archbishop Hunt, and uh, in particular in St. John's, where the diocese is um, incorporating now into a new entity, I wanted to ensure that the, the, the mistakes of, of before are not repeated. So I had some questions on what the preventative measures are in place. We're at where, you know, the majority of priests here are either nearing retire, retirement age or, or have exceeded retirement age. And so um, if they're bringing priests in from away, what are the screening processes that are in place to, to ensure that the public are safe? Gemma, you know, being invited to Rome to speak on this topic by one of the world's leading scholars, how, how does that make you feel as, as an advocate, as a Newfoundlander and Labradorian, and how confident are you that you have the Pope's ear and he's listening? You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm honored and hum- humbled. And, uh, you know, even as a, a girl, I knew that uh, before I even understood the, the words clericalism, heteropatriarchy, coloniality, which I'll be examining in my lecture, um, I knew that it was wrong for a priest to abuse a child or a vulnerable adult and still remain on that altar. And uh, I'm, you know, after millions of steps, literal steps, I'm one step closer to that goal. 
and uh, I'm really, really excited about the possibilities to come. And, uh, you know, there's a lot riding on this lecture, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it my all and um, hope to return to Rome in June for, for meetings to, to get this zero tolerance policy refined and move forward. Where does your resolve come from? Well, I'm a Newfoundlander and Labradorian. You know that. Uh, we're tough, and, uh, and so I always take that with me, and, and I'm really proud to represent this province and country and uh, holding everyone here at home, both parishioners and survivors, always in my heart. And that is my conversation with advocate for victims of clergy abuse and author Gemma Hickey just before they headed to the airport to go to Rome. Ben. Now we're going to head to Memorial University. Progress continues in the hunt for Munn's new president. Last month, the Board of Regents greenlit the framework and composition of the Presidential Search Committee. The committee will be headed up by current board chair Glenn Barnes, four other board members, four faculty, four students to be chosen from the various student unions, an academic administrator, a non-academic administrator, and a member from the public. Munn Students Union Director of External Affairs John Harris joined us on Friday morning. Your thoughts on the composition of the Presidential Search Committee? I think the the composition is uh, you know is fairer than it was going to be. I, I'm I'm glad that the the uh, board decided to uh, take on an extra two student unions. We have four student unions in uh, the uh, province in Memorial, uh, and we you know need to have each student from each student union represented because there's a wide variety of uh, students that go to the university. So. Uh, we're glad to have, uh, initially there's only supposed to be two student representatives. So we've been able to push that up to four. Uh, so we have a, uh, you know, a good balance, balance here of, of the students, faculty, and uh, uh, other members. What do you know about how those four students will be selected? Uh, so we get to choose the, the, the students uh, for from each union gets to, to choose the students. I think the one issue that, that is really popping out to me about this committee is uh, there is a confidentiality agreement and it is a secret search. Uh, I think that you know, this has been an issue for a long time with these types of committees is that they're done in secrecy. Uh, so when we're trying to choose a new you know, steward of this university, uh, the process is not really open to the public you know i think that uh, another issue that that we've been taking is that there is no uh, commitment by the university not to use a, a headhunting firm uh, like was done in the past for uh, president timmons so I, I think that there's still we're trying to re right the wrongs of of how these committees were done before and i don't think we're really going all the way i think we need to be looking at why why will we have a secret search when you know this is the idea of finding a president is finding a leader uh for the community and how is the community supposed to have input if uh what goes on in this committee is completely secret uh, so i i think that in order to be more uh, democratic and to find the best steward for this university we need to have a open and transparent process yeah so what would be the point of the presidential search committee if the university is not making any guarantees that they won't just use a headhunter and find one themselves i mean i think that they may you know the, the presidential search committee may uh have some uh, say on whether or not uh they will be uh, using a, a corporate headhunter i think that a lot of times uh you know with the, with the last uh with the last search i mean that's the problem with these confidentiality agreements that you have to sign to be part of these committees 
is that we there, there's not enough transparency in how these decisions are being made, who is overseeing, who is vetting these candidates. I think if you know we're relying and putting a lot of uh, the that that hard work onto a uh, corporate a corporation that is designed to find uh, you know corporate candidates. I don't think that we will be able to have the, the, the say that we need to make as a community. So that, that's a, that's a that's a big concern when it comes to to this committee. I think when we're looking for a president, you know, what we what we in the student union look for a president is uh, wh- who is going to uh, stick up for students. Uh, you know, this university is about the students and the, is about you know teaching the future uh, of our province. And I think that if we have a a president that is is looking out for uh, other things like we have seen in the past where we have had President Timmons, uh, according to Minister Osborne, approach the government to uh, increase tuition, I think that we, you know, students should be uh, considered and tuition should be considered in this new president. I think I think everybody should be able to have a, a, a say on what kind of president we need and, and to have a closed committee, I think. Is, is not uh, a good step forward. We're speaking with Munsu, Director of External Affairs, John Harris, on your VOCM Mornings. And John, is this the first time students have had any kind of involvement in this process? I think students have, have had uh, representation on, on these committees in the past. Um, I, I this may, this may, they may not have had this much representation. Uh, I'm glad to, I think that is a win to have four student union representatives representatives on this committee um but i mean how do we engage the student body in a conversation about the president uh the new president if there is uh you know confidentiality when it comes to picking these candidates and you know i think that there's the argument that comes from the other side is that you know we don't want to uh we had to worry about the candidate's privacy in in in, in, uh, applying but there, there really doesn't seem to be major evidence that uh that that this kind of uh, that an open search affects the, the crop of candidates. Uh, I think that there's a, a lot to be said for having an open search. I think that they'd have a lot more in, input from the community and have a, uh, we should be looking at what their president's values are. What are their, you know, what is their obligation to the people of the province? Do they, how much do they uh, care and, and, and know the, this province? You know, I think that that is a really a, a huge thing when it is a public university that we are able to have a public process. John, it's been a relatively tumultuous last couple of years at Memorial University. Is this a chance to really hit the reset button and get it right? I, I think, I think that there they're always, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. I think that I, I would love to see a, a better process that would lead us to a, uh, a president that shares our, our values and is looking to uh, improve the, the the university by making it more accessible and open for students and to complete its core mission, which is to the people of this province and to uh, giving education for uh for young people and you know anybody who wants to return to education i think that if in order to do that we also can't just you know luck into a, a star candidate we also have to stay, change the process and make it a more open and more transparent process along with all the you know other recommendations from uh the auditor general's report uh, to 
to be to be more open and transparent doesn't just mean uh, in the day-to-day operations. It means in these kind of governance issues like the uh, the this uh, presidential search committee. John, just finally, what are you hearing from students around all this? I I mean I think that the you know the the, the search for a president is often uh, a source of of, of light. Uh, mockery <laughs> when it comes to uh, students. I, I think that students are a little bit uh, burnt out from all this presidential discussion. I think we just want some a, a, a president that's going to look out for our interests. That is not going to uh, put us on a plate to the to the premier's office and and uh, sell us out uh, like we have had seen in the past when it comes to the the massive increase in tuition. Uh, I think that. Uh, it was it, we need a a president that's going to stick up for us and to be uh, care about our concerns and not want to uh, uh, make it unaffordable to go to uh, school here in the province. And that is the director of external affairs with Monsu, John Harris, joining us on Friday morning. We still have lots more to bring you on the best of your VOCM mornings. Stay with us.